You're listening to audio from Calvary Gravenhurst in Muskoka, Ontario. For more resources or to connect with someone in the church, please visit calvarygravenhurst.com. This week's sermon is taught by Pastor of Next Generations, Mark Hockley. Uh, I've just got a couple of updates before we actually get to uh, the sermon. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Pastor Mark. I'm one of the pastors here. It is great to be with you. I think I think I know everyone here, um, which is fantastic. And I've just got a couple of things. First of all, many of you have already asked me this. Pastor Ben had successful surgery on his broken ankle, and um, he just wanted me to thank you for all of your prayers. He's very, very genuinely grateful for everyone that took the time to pray for him. And just please continue to pray for him um, as he recovers from that, um, because surgery is painful. Uh, secondly, um, Katie and Dane Stevens, uh, they had their baby, a healthy boy, on Saturday morning. So you can praise God uh, for that. We've got another baby added to the family. Um, also, uh, please, Alyssa already talked about this, but please make sure you read that letter. It's got all the information. Um, if you're confused about something, um, go to that first. If you're still confused, um, then come and talk to me after service or talk to one of the staff, or you can email Jeanette about questions. Um, but th- this is some exciting stuff that is happening here. So I'm going to just take a second to explain um, this little sheet here. So basically what's happened on March 1st, they're lifting the mandates for churches um, in regards to capacity limits, okay? And so we, don't, we no longer have to have a capacity limit. And so what that means is if you can see on here March 6th, those four bullets are March 6th. The three bullets below are March 20th. Those are the two key dates that you're going to need to know about. So when you come on March 6th, that means we don't have a capacity limit at the church. And what that's going to mean is we're able to put all the chairs back into the sanctuary, which is amazing. And we can praise God for that. And we don't have to distance anymore. Um, We're still going to be wearing the mask, but that is exciting. Because we can do that, that means that you don't have to register if you're coming to sit in the sanctuary. Okay, so praise the Lord for that, not having to register for church every day for that. Yeah, that's very exciting. You'll notice below, though, that there is registration for children only. Okay, and so that is going to happen for March 6th and March 13th. And the reason that that's happening on those two dates is not because of government mandates, um, but it's actually a great problem to have. It's that we don't have enough space to safely fit all the kids that are coming to Calvary downstairs into our um, children's ministry area, which is fantastic. It's a fantastic problem to have, but it's still a problem, right? And so that's why we are asking people to register so that you can get into that service. And if you don't get into that service, please go and put your name on the wait list because then Jeanette will contact you and automatically put you in for the next week. So that is exciting. And then the fourth thing you just see there, we're, doing, we're running another plan to protect. And that is for um, everyone who either missed the last one or we're also training up new volunteers so that we can do what you can now see on March 20th. So on March 20th, we are going to be running two identical multi-generational services. And so this is something that we've been um, talking to you guys about for a long time and striving for. And so this is really exciting. Um, to have the chance to run two identical multi-generational services. And what that means, that's a lot of words, just to say there's going to be kids' ministry at both, right? And so we're, we're going to try to mix the families and be able to split the families in a way that we can have people at 9 and 11 so that all the kids can fit. In kids' ministry, we can be a biblical church, 
right? We see very clearly in God's word that he wants us to be multi-generational. We all need each other, right? All of us are needed, all of us. And we don't, nobody likes to be split, right? And so there's some information in the letter about how we're planning to do that. And we're going to need your help and buy and to get this thing going um, because there's going to be some changes, um, but they're exciting changes that both allow all the kids to be able to be there, but also allow us capacity to continue to invite people. I don't know about you, but have you noticed that there's new people coming each and every week? And that's fantastic. Praise God for that. Praise God for how he's continuing to move here. And so we want to allow that and open that up. So um, those are some of the reasons that we are doing that. So once March 20th happens and we get everything organized, then children will no longer also have to register. Okay. So hopefully that's clear as mud. Um, read that letter. If it doesn't make sense, please come talk to me. Or like I said, contact Jeanette or one of the other staff members, and we're happy to answer any questions. And um, we also understand that for some people, this is both exciting, but also just a little bit um, intimidating or nerve-wracking. Um, and so just please let us know if there's things that we can do. We're going to work through this as a family. We want your honesty. Um, and so if there's things that we can help you to make you feel more comfortable, and then we want to we work with you on that too. So, all exciting stuff. Let's pray, and then we can get into God's Word this morning. Lord, we thank you for the chance to be here, God, and we look forward to what you are doing, I mean, continuing to do here at Calvary. God, this is exciting, the chance to have um, two services with children's ministry. God is amazing. The, The opportunities that can open up, Lord, for our church to continue um, to grow for God, you to just continue to bring people um, into our family here at Calvary is fantastic. Or we we look around Gravenhurst and it's growing like crazy. There are hundreds of homes going up, and I just dream about what God would do, and with all both the new people moving into our community and the people that are already here, God. And I pray that you would continue to bring people of all generations, God, to Calvary. And I'm excited at the prospect of being able to worship all together um, in a true multi-generational format. And so we thank you, God, for that. I pray for our country right now, God. Now, we, our hearts are heavy um, as, we, as we see some of the stuff that's going on in our country. And Lord, I pray that ultimately that there would be a unity in our country that's um, based on Christ. God, that's what our country needs. We need um, a unity that's built on Christ. We can build unity on lots of other things, Olympics and other fun things, or even things we're for or things we're against. But ultimately, God, we need unity built on you. And so, Lord, we pray that for our country. Um, and also just thank you for the kids that are up, God, in the service. They're a blessing to have here, and we're just so excited to be able to have everyone up, all worshiping together and digging into God's Word together. And so we're excited for that, too. In your name, amen. All right, let's get into our study. So we are in Ephesians six twenty one through 24, so I'll encourage you to turn. There. Ephesians 6, 21 through 24. This is the last sermon of our series. And so we're going to dive in here. We're going to mainly stay in Ephesians. We're going to look at Ephesians. We're going to look at a little book recap. And then I, if I've, got, I've got some other verses, but I'll throw them up on the screen so that you're not flipping like crazy. And this is what Ephesians 6, 21 through 24 says. It says, Tychicus, our dearly beloved brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me so that you may be informed. I am sending him to you for this very reason, to let you know how we are and to encourage your hearts. 
peace to the brothers and sisters in love with faith from God, the God, the Father, Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who have an undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you a question. It's the question that I'm putting on the screen. It's this. What is your heart's greatest desire? We have lots of things that we want, but what's your heart's greatest desire? Uh, Maybe you, like me, have been watching some of the Olympics right now, or it's going to wrap up today. But in the Olympics, the greatest desire for those athletes is to win a gold medal, right? Their whole lives are built around that desire, right? They have... um, oriented their eating, their sleeping, their training, their family life, their friend life, everything around that desire to win a gold medal. And if they don't do that, they won't achieve it. That's their desire. And so for many of them, the pinnacle of their life has been in the last two weeks. What's your heart's greatest desire? For me, I want to be called faithful. That is my heart's greatest desire. I want to stand before my king one day and have him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Tychicus was called faithful, right? We see that in our text. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I read books, and I don't know why I do this, it's weird. Maybe you're weird like me. Um, Sometimes I get this in my head that like when Paul's saying hi to people or bye to people, that that's not spirit inspired, but the good stuff in the middle, that's spirit inspired. It's like, oh, Paul's saying hi to people, Paul's saying bye to people, everything else is the Holy Spirit. But we know, right, that all of Scripture is God-breathed. All of Scripture is God-breathed, even this ending right here. And what's so cool about this ending? I want you to think about what had just happened here. So it's not just Paul that called Tychicus faithful. Who affirmed that Tychicus was faithful? It was the Holy Spirit who moved Paul to write those things. He didn't correct Paul when he wrote those things. He said Tychicus was faithful. Can you imagine what that would be like to have the Holy Spirit affirm that you are faithful? That's incredible. That's an incredible thought. And this, is, this concept of faithfulness is actually something that bookends Ephesians. If you look at Ephesians 1, um, verses 1 to 2, look at what it says. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, to the faithful saints in Christ Jesus at Ephesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what the saints are called, right? I'm not a huge Greek guy, but the, the Greek word is the same. Here for faithful and at the end, right? As Tychicus is called faithful. And those are the only two places that this Greek word is used. It's literally like a bookmark, faithful at the start, faithful at the end. And in the middle, the book is going to show us how to be faithful. And so how do we accomplish our desire to be faithful? If that's our greatest desire. Then how do we accomplish that desire? And um, part of the answer at least lies in obedience. And so I've got a funny video um, to talk about obedience. Don't you wish obedience was that easy? You could just put some in your diffuser and away you go. Of course, we know that that's not actually the way that things work, right? Um, And there's more to faithfulness than just obedience. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at this. What is the definition of faithfulness for a Christian? And so to do that, I want to walk us through a series of verses to discover this. And uh, John Piper did some excellent work on this when I was studying um, for today. And so 
I just want to let you know that in this next session, what I'm sharing is sort of a mix of his thoughts and my thoughts. Um, I'm not trying to stand up here and look smart. If it's smart, it's probably from him. Um, but there's some really good stuff uh, to dive into in these verses. First Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24 says this. Also, if you just want to write these down to look at later, I'm going to go too fast for you to probably read them. But if you want to write them down and look at them, you can. It says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will do it. And so we find in this passage both who God is and also some help for our definition, right? He who calls you is faithful. It's not that he does faithful stuff, but he actually is faithful. It's who God is and then for the help with our definition, notice what it says. He who calls you is faithful. He will do it. To be faithful is to know that he will do it, right? It's to be reliable, to be dependable, to know that God will do it. Check out 2 Timothy 2, 12 through 13. It says, if we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. His faithfulness isn't rooted in our faith, right? Isn't so often how we deal with God kind of like this, right? Where we, if we deem God to be faithful, right? If he's being faithful to us, if we think he's being faithful to us, then we're faithful to him, right? But if we feel wronged by God or forgotten by God, what's the first thing that normally fails? It's our faithfulness, but not so with God, right? God is faithful when we are faithless. He is faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Isn't that amazing? He cannot deny himself. So we can see clearly in two different scriptures that God actually is faithful. God's faithfulness exists because God is God. That's how his faithfulness exists. Right? John Piper describes it as flowing from his godness. The fact that God is God is why he's faithful. Okay? Titus 1, verse 2 says this, In the hope of eternal life that God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. God cannot lie. He is completely faithful. He is completely dependable. So that if he never lies, that means that we can trust what he's promised us. Because he's faithful. First Timothy 1.15 says this, This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them. That word trustworthy is the same Greek word translated in Ephesians as faithful. What's trustworthy, reliable, dependable, faithful? It's the word of God, right? Because if God is faithful and he cannot lie and his promises never fail, that means that his word is faithful. So not only is God faithful, but his word is faithful. So now the question is, how are we to be faithful? There's a couple of hints here. The first one is in Hebrews 11. 11. I think this is fantastic. Check this out closely. By faith, even Sarah herself, when she was unable to have children, received power to conceive offspring, even though she was past the age. Why? Since she considered the one who had promised was faithful. 
Don't miss that. Faith in the human soul is the deep understanding that God is faithful to his promises. Faithful to his word. Faithful to himself. It's the right understanding that God is God. That he actually is who he says that he is. And so if we want to put that really simply, it's this. It's that we become faithful when we have faith in the faithful one. That's, that's what it is. One more set of hints here, and we're going to squish it all together. Revelation 2, 10 through 13 says this. Don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. Look, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison to test you, and you will experience affliction for 10 days. Be faithful to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. Let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will never be harmed by the second death. Write to the angel of the church of Pergamum. Thus says the one who has the sharp double-edged sword, I know where you live, where Satan's throne is. Yet you are holding on to my name and did not deny your faith in me, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness who was put to death among you, where Satan lives. And so how far should our faithfulness extend? Right? It should extend to the point of death. Why? Because God is faithful and is faithful to his word. And that's why we have the ability to be faithful to him. Faithfulness doesn't flow out of us. It's a gift from God. And here's what it really boils down to. Because we regard, if you want to be able to do this, to follow him to the point of um, death, we have to regard the faithfulness of God as life itself. You have to regard the faithfulness of God as life itself. You're like, Mark, that's a little bit weird and wordy. What does it mean? I want you to think about this in connection with the gospel. When you accept the gospel, you are already implying that you accept that God is absolutely faithful because you are staking your eternity on the fact that God will follow through on his word. Are you not? That's what we were doing, right? And so we have the chance to not only rely on God um, for eternity, but also right now, right? We get to experience his faithfulness here on earth. And that's how we regard it as life is more important than anything because the thing that he promised us is more, means more to us than anything, right? And because he's faithful in that, that's why we want to be faithful to him. And so what happened to Antipas? He died, didn't he? But I want you to notice what God called him. Again, this gives me chills. He said, my faithful witness. Can you imagine? Is that not your heart's desire? To have God say, that's my faithful witness. I don't think there'd be anything better. I don't think there's anything better than that. And so why did he die? He, same reason that uh, many have died throughout the generations, right? Because they offered him the chance to be faithless. Right? They offered Antipas the chance to be faithless. They offered him life here on earth if he would deny Jesus. If he would be unfaithful to Christ, say that Christ wasn't actually king. But Antipas regarded the faithfulness of Christ as higher than anything else, and that's what caused him to be faithful. So you might say, how does he do that? 
I want to do that, but I don't know if I could. That's a great question. That could be a sermon series. Um, but let's just look at a couple of things. I think one of the things that he had was he had both head knowledge and heart knowledge. He had both experience and understanding, right? He knew God. You don't just die for something that you just read about in a book, right? Maybe you would die for someone that you do know and love, right? You might die for them. But conversely, you will never know, you will never love someone if you don't take the time to actually get to know them, right? You have to have both, brothers and sisters. If we want to be faithful, we need to know God and we need to experience God, experience his goodness by being obedient to him. And you have to have both because they build off each other and then it's cyclical. And that's what grows your faith and allows you to be called one day faithful, right? And so on, we were talking about this in small group, but most of you are going to skew one way or the other, right? You're going to either find it easier to study the word of God and to know God, but harder to actually put that into practice so that you actually get to experience the God that you know about, right? Or conversely, some of you are going to say, you know what? I find it easier to be obedient in the stuff that I know, but it's intimidating or overwhelming or exhausting at the idea of actually trying to study at a depth to get to know God beyond quick devotions in the morning and coming to the, listen to the pastor on Sunday, right? For you, like that, that's, that feels like a lot. And I'm coming to tell you, you need both. You need both of those things. And so one is going to be easier than the other. And so I want you to do two things. Praise God for whatever you find easier. That's good. That's a gift, right? Those are good things, right? But then also identify and be aware of the one that you're going to struggle in. And then take time in your life right now to put an intentional plan in place to grow in that other area right? Because you need both. You can't have one without the other or it stalls. If you try to just do one, it stalls. If you're, if you're trying to be obedient in the, th- the things you know about God, right? But then you're never knowing more about God. Eventually you just stall out, right? And the flip side is also true. We got to know and have both. It's a long way to get to our definition. Here's our definition. The faithfulness of Christians is that they can be trusted and depended on to trust and depend on God in Christ unto death. The faithfulness of Christians is that they can be trusted and depended on to trust and depend on God in Christ unto death. Now, you can always add things, but if you're looking for something that's succinct, I think it's a pretty good answer, right? And now he's emphasizing death, right? He's grabbing that from the Revelation passage, but I want you to remember what's implied in that that you trust God unto death, that means that you would do this for your life. That you would do it for your life. And so what does Ephesians have to say about all of this? We're going to do a quick book recap using the lens of faithfulness from those bookends. Right? If you remember our sermon series, it was called God, the Gospel, and Our Response. And so we're going to look at those all through the lens of faithfulness. So the first is this, faithful in knowing God. We need to be faithful in knowing more about who God is. When you know God, that's the motivation to live out the things that God is calling you to do. And so I looked at Ephesians 1 verses 1 through 6. I sat down for about 10 minutes and I found 14 things that we can learn about God. 
14 things that you could, you could take those six verses and turn that into a master's class about who God is because there's so much in there. All those different attributes and characteristics, things about God that we can know, it's unbelievable. And so we want to be faithful in knowing who God is. I got really excited and I started writing down notes about how I could tell you about each one of these things and how they all connected and there was no way. Uh, we were not going to have the time for that. So you can come talk to me later if you're excited about that. Um, but it's really cool. It's really cool that we can, in that little span of verses, we can find out so much about who God is. It's amazing. And that he would reveal himself to us. Next, we want to be faithful not just in knowing God, um, but then also want to be faithful to the gospel. Again, there's lots of gospel passages at the start of Ephesians because you notice that Ephesians is building off of it, right? It's the fact that we can know who God is and then we knew what he did for us and that's what causes the response that we're going to talk about. So how do we be faithful to the gospel? Look at Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature children under wrath as others were also. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's God's gift. Not from works so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Give you a few thoughts on that. The gospel, the good news, right, about what God did for us when we didn't deserve it is a demonstration of his faithfulness, is it not? Right? It's one of the reasons that we can trust and rely on him. Right? Remember our definition? Because he did what he said he was going to do. He was faithful to us when we weren't faithful to him. He died when we were his enemies and we hated him. Yet Christ chose to die for me so that I could be with him forever, right? And when you, when you accept Christ as your Savior, you're trusting that he's faithful, right? We talked about that. And you will do what he says he's going to do. So why not also trust that he calls you in his word, right? the things that he calls you to in his word that are right and good, even if it doesn't make sense? Why would you not also trust those things? Because if you're trusting him for your salvation, then trust him. Right? for the things that he calls us to do. Because so often, that's, if we're honest, that's when, when we don't understand things, that's where it can undermine our faithfulness. Right? Because we're like, I don't understand this. You look around your world and it doesn't make sense, or you look at text and it doesn't make sense, or you try to wrestle with stuff and it doesn't make sense. Um, and that's sometimes where it can um, undermine us. So should we continue to seek answers? Yeah. But in the meantime, be faithful to the things he's called you to, even if... You don't understand them. Because if you're trusting him for your salvation, then you might as well trust him for how he's calling you to live as well. And the last thing, if you look at verse 10, um, the gospel also produces a desire for faithfulness in us. Right? Look at verse 10. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? 
for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. That's a whole nother topic right there, that last part. But created in Christ Jesus for good works. What's that? That's our faithfulness. Those good works are our faithfulness to God, right? We did all these things that he prepared ahead of time for us to do so that we would do them for the Lord. We also want to be faithful in everyday living, right? If you remember in Ephesians 3 through 6, as we worked our way, I guess it's the end of 3 and then into 4, if you look at that, um, basically... These are all the things that God is calling us to be faithful to in the book of Ephesians, right? We're called to unity in the church with the gifts that we've been given to God's word, faithfulness, to new life in Christ, faithfulness, to walk in love, light, and wisdom, faithfulness. And we're supposed to be faithful in our marriage, in parenting, in work, in society, in spiritual warfare, and in prayer, right? That's a great list. That's a great list that's given to us. So if you're like, you know what, Mark, I want to be faithful, but I'm not sure where to start, pick one of these. Grab one of those spots um, where you want to be either faithful just to start or more faithful and ask God to start working in that area. And then actually study. Seek to understand who God is, why he called you to that thing, and then also um, what you can do to be faithful in that area. Those are all things that we want to be faithful in. And so let's give a few practical examples. I'm going to start with another just little video. Um, a few of you have seen this video. I showed it a couple of years ago. But I think it's an amazing reminder of what God can do with everyday faithfulness. Just a cool little example of faithfulness. Right? And did Kim save Nate? No. Who was ultimately faithful in that? God was. Right? God saved Nate, but he used the faithfulness of individuals all along that path, just everyday faithfulness to do it. And that's pretty cool. I got a couple other examples for you um, as we think about everyday living. One of them is in work, right? That's something that a lot of us experience, right? Because faithfulness includes our work, right? Because that's actually one of the things that God created us to do, right? Work was something that God said, this is good. This is something for you. Albert Moeller says this about work. He said, The fact that many people are dissatisfied with their jobs shows that they are looking for more than a job can deliver. We were made to find joy in them, but we were never made to find ultimate joy in them. If so, it's actually idolatry. And so a practical example of faithfulness is finding joy in what God has put in front of you while simultaneously recognizing that you will never find ultimate joy in that. This is a right understanding. It's a faithful understanding of work. But I think it applies to other things as well, right? And I think that that can work its way out. Um, another one is prayer, right? Let's be faithful in prayer, right? Faithful to pray for your grown children, for your little children, right? Whether they love the Lord or not, um, one isn't more important than the other. They both desperately need God right now, Right? And so let's pray for them. Let's pray for them, right? We, we think about Paul, the times that he's in the Bible, right? What's he doing? He's, he's praying for people that are already Christians. He's saying, I, I hope that you're going to know Christ more. I pray that you would know Christ more. To the Christians, he says, I pray that you would know the gospel more, right? Because as Christians, we need the gospel desperately right now. As Christians, we need Christ right now. And the same is true for those who don't know Christ. So let's pray for both desperately. And if you look back, um, just a couple of verses back from our passage in Ephesians 6, 18 through 20, 
It says, pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for the saints. Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this I am an ambassador in chains. I pray that I may be bold enough to speak about it as I should. So we've talked about this before, but um, and it's good. It, it's good to pray for needs, um, but that's one small pie, if you're doing a pie chart, of what God actually intends for us in prayer. And I think if we're honest in North America, it might be the one area of prayer that we're actually good at. And so um, continue to do that, continue to be good at that area, but I want to push you and challenge you to be good in the other areas of prayer that God's called you to. And one of them is this, right? To stay alert and pray with all perseverance and intercession for the saints. Pray for the Christians in your life that they, you know that they would know God more. Pray that they would know and experience the gospel more in their own lives as Paul does for us as believers. Pray for that. Um, and the last one is this. Um, let's be faithful in offering what you have. Offering what you have. We made a startling discovery the other week in our small group. Um, we found out that one of our members has a side job painting. Right? And so now this person is going to remain anonymous in the witness protection program um, because this is a wonderful skill that if people find out that you have it, you're going to be out every weekend painting and you might not like painting so much anymore. Um, but the, the, re- the only reason we found out about this skill was because this person was faithful to help offer their expertise right, to another believer in order to use the gifts that they were given to bless someone else. And I just thought it was a fantastic example of just offering the gifts and the skills that God had given this person to be faithful with those and to help others. And here's our last one that we're going to look at today. Let's be faithful in community or faithful in the church, right? Because I want you to notice in our text both the task and the effort that Paul entrusts Tychicus with, right? What do they both point towards, right? They both point towards community. They both point towards being the church, right? Because look at what he says. He says, I want you to go and you're going to take this letter and you're going to tell them how I am, how I'm doing so that we can stay up on each other's lives so we can know what's happening in each other's lives. And yet what he's asking them to do is way crazier than what we have to do, right? He's going to write this letter and he's going to send Tychicus and he's going to have to hike for who knows how long, right? And go and deliver the letter and then come all the way back for the sake of community, Is that not pretty fantastic? And sometimes I feel like it can put us to shame. It can put me to shame when I realize that all I need to do is pick up the phone and send a text or an email or call or Google Maps so I can show up to your house in five minutes and drive my car. You know what I mean? Like It's just like they're not in the same plane. And yet God calls us to do these things together, right? And you're going to get sick of me reading this verse to you, but I think it's one of the hinge verses in Ephesians. From Ephesians 3, 8 through 10, it says this, this grace was given to me, the least of all the saints, to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ and to shed light for all about the administration of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. This is so that God's multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavens. What's the point of faithfulness? It's that God would be glorified. And what's God's plan to be glorified? It's through the church, right? It's through the church. So when you look at this chart that I gave you of all the things that God can call us to be faithful to, 
I want you to think about that, not just for yourself, but in light of the church. That in community, we were called to do these things. You aren't called to just live faithfully alone on an island. You're called to live faithfully together in the church. And that takes work, and that takes intentionality. It takes opening up and the chance that you get hurt by sinful people like me, right? But it's God's plan, and it's his good plan, and we want to trust that plan. Even if there's times where we're like, God, you really choose the church? I don't know if that makes sense. Don't you think you should have just maybe done like a banner or mass texted everyone or something, something that you could just communicate it all or send a bunch of angels? But no, he chose the church, and that's pretty incredible. And so let's be faithful in the church, right? And how do we do that? We know from Scripture, what are some of the things God calls us to do? We're called to encourage each other and to correct each other, to pray for each other, to imitate Christ for each other, to teach each other, to serve each other, to forgive each other, and to love each other, and so many more, right? This is what we were called to do. We're not meant to live out being faithful alone. We were meant to live it out together as a church for the glory of God. And so I want to close today um, just in prayer um, by praying Paul's prayer for the Ephesians for you. Um, This hangs on the wall in our house, and um, it's something that I pray for you often. Let's pray together. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you, Calvary, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the length and width and height and depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. 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 You can grab your communion cup, and we're going to close this morning with communion. I also just want to say thank you to all the kids who are here this morning. You guys have all been fantastic. And just so thank you. Thank you for that. It's great to be um, all together today. As we consider communion this morning, I want us just to stay on this theme. And just remember, as we remember Christ's sacrifice, that Jesus was the ultimate example of faithfulness. Right? In submitting to the will of the Father, in order that we could be with God forever, right? The fruit, the faithfulness that he demonstrated is the greatest gift ever, that we get God himself because Jesus bled on a cross for you and for me when I didn't deserve it, when I wasn't faithful to him, he was faithful to God's plan and through that, he was being faithful to me, which is just mind-boggling that somehow that God could be faithful to someone as messed up as me. That's craziness. But does not that make you so grateful? So I'm going to pray, and then we'll take the emblems together. God, we thank you 
that you are the ultimate example of faithfulness. We thank you that it flows from your godness. God, that you can't, you can't help but be faithful because you're the very thing that faithfulness flows out of. It's who you are. We thank you for that, Lord. Jesus, we thank you for being faithful to the will of the Father and the plan of the Father. God, that Jesus, that you, you came and you allowed yourself to be nailed to a cross. God, for me, God, that blows my mind. Thank you that you came back to life, Lord, that you were faithful in your plan, Lord, as it was foretold um, throughout the generations in the Old Testament, and that there would come a rescuer, a savior. God, that's you. Thank you for that. And thank you for now. Thank you for all the times where you are faithful, God, to me, even when I am faithless. God, you're amazing, incredible. I'm so grateful for what you did. Thank you for your body. Thank you for your blood. We remember you together. In your name, amen. You can peel off that top layer. Grab that wafer. Let's remember the body of our Savior, which was broken for us. What an amazing thing. Let's take together. Before we take the the cup, I just want to encourage you if if there's an area right now in your life where you're being unfaithful to God, even though he is faithful to you, I pray that you would confess that to God and get right with him. Not that there's something you can do, but by going to him and confessing it, right? You, um, that's what God's called us to do. So I just want to encourage you, if there's something in that area, let's not never want to take advantage of the faithfulness of God, right? We know that from Paul, right? He's like, why would we keep on sinning so the grace would abound? No, right? Pray that this would drive us to faithfulness. Let's take the cup together and drink it, remembering the blood that was shed for us. Thank you, Jesus. I'll just close our time in prayer. Lord, we... I don't know, right now my heart's just overflowing with gratitude as I consider what you did for me, you being a faithful God when I am faithless. God, it's absolutely amazing. So Lord, I thank you for that. And I pray that you would give me um, this desire that when I search deep inside, I know it's my heart's desire. I pray that you would help me in it. I pray that you would bring it to my mind more often, that you would bring it to the front of my mind. God, that I would be faithful. That one day that I would stand before you, that one day like Tychicus, the Holy Spirit would affirm that this is my faithful servant. That's amazing. God, I pray that one day would be true of me and true of every person in this room that one day when we stand before you, God, what a glorious day that will be that we would look forward to that and be excited at the prospect of you saying, well done, good and faithful servant. God, we love you. We're grateful for your word. We're grateful for our time together. And we look forward to the exciting things that will be happening um, in the next few weeks. God, thank you in your name. Amen. God bless you. It's great to see you all. Have a good week. 
Thanks for listening to this week's sermon audio. For more resources or to connect with us, visit calvarygravenhurst.com.